Good morning. It is wonderful to be here this morning. Of course, a, a special shout out to all the mums out there. We love you and uh, we're thinking of you. We hope you've had a wonderful morning. I'm not sure if you got pancakes in bed. Um, I'm not sure if you're still in bed because you can be <laughs> on a morning like this. Um, but our thoughts, our prayers are with you. Um, especially um, our thoughts go out to a number of our members who lost their mothers uh, only recently. Their, their mothers passed away. So uh, to Angela, to Catherine and Amanda, our thoughts are especially with you and our prayers are especially with you. May you know God's uh, peace. Uh, may he just fill your needs at the moment. So know our thoughts are with you. Uh, we're going to continue this morning looking at a series that we began. We're, we're four uh, uh, messages in to a series looking at the letter of James. And it's titled Living the Faith. James is a, a really down-to-earth letter. It, it's honest and it looks at real-life situations. And, and, and the more you read it, you start to realise that, that Christians, that many years ago when James was written, a couple thousand years ago, they dealt with the same things that we do. And so the encouragements that we read as we look at this letter encourage us in our walk with Jesus uh, today. So far up to this point, James has encouraged us to endure in our faith, to see tough times as a, as a reason for joy, as it grows us and shapes us. He's encouraged us to, to listen and to act, to hear God's word and to put it into practice. And he opened that up by looking at, at favouritism. And, and at that point in time, the, the early Christians were favouring those who were, who were wealthy and were famous. And, and he challenged them to say, no, love people... Love people equally. Don't favour some more than others. And he finished that portion and that part of teaching by encouraging the Christians to, to focus on the royal law, which is the, the, the law to love our neighbours as ourselves, to, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and to, to love those around us likewise. And he continues on with that, with this encouragement on living out your faith. What does it look like practically? And so the, the title of today's message is called, Show Me Your Faith. If James was to say anything to us today, if he was here, if he was to summarise what he was saying, he would look at us in the eyes and he would say, show me your faith in action. And I'd like to mention a couple of famous duos. Uh, a number of these you, you might know of, some go back. First of all, Laurel and Hardy. These are two famous comedians and in regards to all of these people, one wouldn't have been the same without the other. Maybe you recognise Batman and Robin, you know, the, the good old characters. Uh, both of them, you know, the, the good old sidekick and Batman together and, and Robin almost, you know, there's always arguments over him being the lesser of the two, but he often helped Batman get out of these predicaments and if it wasn't for him, you know, they would have both ceased to be... But Abbott and Costello, also some previous famous comedians, one without the other would be nothing. How about a couple for uh, any of our younger ones out there today? Mario and Luigi. Yeah, I was a, a big Mario and Luigi fan, famous brothers. Um, how about Bert and Ernie? Yeah, it's good old, good old Bert and Ernie. See, these two people were nothing without the other. They, they were inseparable. One would not have been the same without the other. And yes, maybe a light-hearted 
truth, maybe a light-hearted telling, but James presents an inseparable duo. Not persons as such, and I've taken a little bit of liberty there, but just as important. He brings together these two ideas, the inseparable pairing of our faith and of action. And we read from James 2, from verse 14. And I'd encourage you to open your Bibles with me and to to read uh, with me this morning as we unpack this together. And I'm reading from an NLT version here this morning. So that's James chapter 2 from verse, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Just suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happens just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Wow, interesting, interesting passage here. James definitely gets to the point, don't you think? And there are two ideas that I'd like to unpack a little here this morning. First is this. Faith without action is dead. Faith without action is dead. Subtle, isn't it? Down to the point. How strong is that language? Our faith means nothing without action. James starts this whole portion by posing a question. What good is it if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Now remember, if you read back, if you've got your Bibles there, even even have a look. Because James finishes by saying, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful to... uh, If you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. You see, the people in the the passage before, James was speaking to a group of people who were showing favouritism to one group over the other. They were neglecting some at the expense of others. And so it's from this idea that he says, what good is it if you say you have faith but your actions don't line up with what you're saying, which was actually what was happening. And he asks, the second question here, Can it save anyone? 
Can it save anyone? It's an interesting thought. Who is James speaking of? Is he, is he, is he saying, can actions save the hearer? Is he talking about spiritual salvation? Or is he talking about those around us, those whom we come in contact with? Because James gives an example, it's interesting. The example he gives is of a, of a Christian walking past another brother or sister. So this is a follower of Christ who sees another follower of Christ in need, either needing food, either needing clothing, and that brother, that sister, that believer simply says, oh, it's wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. So, hey, how are you going? How are you, how are you doing? You're looking a little thin. You know, you're looking a little bit cold, cold there. Yeah. Oh, well, good on you. That, that's great. Have a wonderful day. Hey, and, and stay warm, yeah? And you could do with a bit to eat. So, so yeah, a bit, bit of an encouragement. Go on and have a good day. You see the, the irony there. James is saying this type of faith doesn't affect anyone. It doesn't change any situation. What good would that type of faith do, says James? In our talk we could say, don't just give lip service. Talk is cheap. I know I often uh, end sentences or end a conversation with people saying, I'll, I'll pray for you. Have you ever done that? You've, you've spoken on the phone, maybe on Zoom lately or in the past, and you've spoken to someone who's in a really tough place and you leave or you leave the conversation saying, that's great, um, I'll be thinking of you, I'll be praying for you. Now, they're good words, but there are times when those words are not enough. There are times when we say those words, yes, because we may not be able to help, because we feel powerless and we're not actually able to meet that need. But it's often a good question to ask, and James poses it. In the midst of that time, is there actually something that you can do? Not just say a good word or an encouraging word, is there something that can actually translate to action? In regards to this brother or sister, it would have been food. It would have been a warm coat or a jacket. Because sometimes words and good intentions are just not enough. And this is our challenge. You see, faith by itself is not enough, says James. Unless our faith produces good works, it is dead and useless. Dead and useless. Now hold on a second, you might be saying. And I know that I thought these words myself. Wait. Because some of these words seem contrary to some of the most important truths in our faith. Because it was Paul who said, we're saved by faith alone. Did he not? Romans 3.28, a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And so we have this tension here. Paul, James, are they actually disagreeing? Are they contradicting each other here? But what we find as we look a little closer, as we dive a little deeper, is that what they are actually saying is complementary. They actually work together. And this is where the duo comes together. And this is also where context is very, very important. You see, Paul, in the context of his letter, was writing to a Jewish audience focused on doing the law, not letting go of the law. 
And there were hundreds and hundreds of laws that the the Jewish people lived by. And even after they placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they continued to follow all of these laws as if it was going to save them. And so Paul was coming and saying and encouraging, reminding them and encouraging them, it is not the law that saves you anymore. It is your faith in Jesus Christ. It is your faith alone, not the law that will save you. James, on the other hand, is speaking to a Jewish audience who have swung in the complete opposite direction and who were intent on relying totally on a claim of faith without doing anything. People who were neglecting the poor and favouring the rich for their own benefit. As James said in 2.13, if you don't show mercy, you won't be shown mercy. He was a group of people that were not giving mercy and showing love to those who need it. So you can see they're coming from completely different perspectives. And when we bring these two ideas together, we are reminded of this. We are saved by faith alone. And our good deeds are evidence of that saving faith. Our faith saves us. But when we're saved, we are transformed. Our lives change and the good we do, the love we show to those around us is evidence for the transformation that has occurred in our lives. For example, before I was married and lived as a single man, my my life looked a little different than it did now. (laughs) Quite a lot different, I would say. And then I met someone and fell madly in love and proposed And the question I asked was, will you marry me to this person? (laughs) Will you marry me and spend the rest of your days with me and I commit to spend the rest of mine with you? I commit to give my life to serving and to loving you. I will give up my singleness, my focus on my life alone and my focus will now be on you as I pour out the love that God has given to me to you. And after that proposal, thank the Lord, Rebecca said yes. <laughs> and then we, get, we got married and we stood before a group of people, before God and before a celebrant and we committed ourselves one to the other with the promise that we would give ourselves to each other for life. And once we were married, we began a new life together. Now it would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, if once we were married, that we went back to living our lives the way we did before we were married. For many marriages, this is often one of the issues and problems that two single people join and continue to live like two single people. Marriage at its very heart, two people coming together and giving up their single life to commit themselves to one another and to live to one another. And so to be married brings about changes to both individuals now, it's, this is the interesting part. As, as, as a married man, I show love and care and, and my life now looks very different. And I show those things because of the love that I have for my wife. But those things in and of themselves are not proof that I'm married. I do them because I love Rebecca. I do them because of the commitment that I've made to her as she does to me. And so the actions from that point onwards are not necessarily the marriage itself, but simply proof that I am a husband, proof that I I do 
love my wife. You see, the good deeds don't do the saving, but they show a life transformed, a life that has been saved. And I love Ephesians 2.10, which brings these ideas together. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. See where the saving is? He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so that we can do good things he planned for us. Jesus does the saving. He transforms us to live a life to do good things. So to bring this home as followers of Jesus, faith without good deeds is not enough. And we know this to be true. Now there was a day when if you said the the name Christian or you said follower of Jesus, people may have thought really positive things. The first reaction would have been, oh, I know those people. They're those people that just love each other without abandon, who serve the community and love those around them. That's what God calls us to. But sadly, in recent history, the church and Christians have been marred because of a few who have done things poorly. There's been abuse. And sadly now, and for other reasons too, sadly now those hear the word Christian or Christ follower and don't automatically think of those that do good. Actually, many people would hear that word and think of those that might do harm. So this is our encouragement, but this is also our challenge in our day and age and in the the world in which we live. Our world more than ever needs believers and followers of Jesus who will stand up and do good and do love to all of those around them. See, this is the hallmark of a true follower of Jesus. Individuals coming together as a community, working for the good of the world around us. So in this situation where we're isolated, we still have opportunities however small, to just reach out to those around us and to encourage them. I've been absolutely blown away by some of the things that people are doing behind the scenes here at RBC. People are writing letters to one another just to encourage one another. People are calling, uh, going through the directory and just calling people up to say, how are you going? I'm thinking of you. It's these small things that often make such a difference. And I wonder in your, in your workplace, if, if you're able to work or in your family, are there, there people that you can reach out to to simply say, hey, I'm thinking of you. I care for you. How are you going? How can I help you? In this time, we have this amazing opportunity to step out and to show love in action. So I wonder what you might be able to do. And it doesn't need to be extraordinary. It doesn't need to be huge. It's often the smallest of things that make the difference. Put your faith in action somehow. And this week, a little bit of homework. I want you to think of one thing or more, at least one thing you can do just to show someone that they are loved and cared by our amazing God. And so faith without action is dead is the beginning and it unravels a little bit more, unpacks a little bit more as James looks at this idea that action is the evidence of complete faith. I mentioned that already, that action is the evidence of a faith that we have. But there's this idea of a complete faith that is brought out too, which, which is very encouraging. 
From verse 18, James presents the, these two ideas. First, now someone may argue, he, he starts with in verse, in verse 18. Someone may argue, he says, some have faith and others have good deeds. So as you read between the lines, you get this idea that he's heard people saying this. Maybe people in the community have been saying this. Maybe someone came up to him and then confronted him with this and said, hey James, you know what? This whole thing about good deeds, you go on this quite a lot, okay? You, you just you keep going on, on about it. But mate, I've, I have faith. Now, you've, you've got your good works. That's, that's really great. That's good. But hey, look, I've got my faith. You have your deeds. Let's just leave it at that. In other words, the person saying, that's great, James, whatever works for you. <laughs> you practice faith your way and I'll practice it my way. Okay, let, let, and let's go on. But James responds by saying no. <laughs> now we, we, can't, we can't part ways on this. This is too important. How can you show me your faith without good deeds? He says it, it doesn't make sense. Faith and action cannot be parted. This is a universal truth, he is saying, not subjective or up for personal interpretation. This is a matter of spiritual life and death, says James. Then I love how he continues, because he starts by saying, now someone may argue. And then he says, you say. He starts, you notice he's starting to get a little bit more personal. You as opposed to someone. You say, you have faith because you believe there is one God. And he comes back with this response, even the demons believe that and tremble. Wow. Even the demons believe in that God is one. And this won't save them, is what he is saying. So as much as James is telling us that faith without action is dead, and that action is the evidence of a complete faith, he's also letting us know that faith is not just logical belief or theological belief. It's not just a mere understanding or conviction of the mind. Faith needs to move from belief to change behaviour. See, faith is not just what we attest to or even what faith tradition we prescribe to. I wonder if you filled out the last census as you fill out the census, there's the, there's the religion box. And many people will tick many faiths and one of them is, is Christian. There's even different faith traditions there, uh, Catholic, Baptist and so forth. And it's interesting in the census how many people prescribe to being a Christian or you know, attached to a certain faith tradition. But we know that so many people who tick the box on the census don't actually live out this faith in their everyday lives. It's something connected to a parent or a family that they grew up in or, or maybe they, they went to church at a particular time for a particular season. So the challenge here is that faith is more than just filling out the census and maybe something that we logically cling to. It's, it's more than a tick on that box. It's lived out in our day-to-day actions. Faith is, as James challenges, is only alive when shown in good deeds. Faith without good deeds, he said, is dead and useless. Useless. And then he gives these two examples. And James is interesting. He loves to flood his, his, his teaching with example. 
after example, almost to the point where as a preacher you don't have to think of them because he's got them here and he's got two that stand out. He mentions firstly Abraham and his son Isaac and he also then mentions Rahab the prostitute. Now these are faith heroes. If there were collector cards that you could collect with great heroes of the faith, The two mentioned here would both be sought after additions. These are spiritual heroes. And Abraham is mentioned because of a deed, that that something he stood out and did. Not just attested to, something he actually did, which amazes us still. He's Abraham, this spiritual great. The one even called a friend of God. What, what What a beautiful title. Abraham is called a friend of God. God calls Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice. What a challenge. God asks him to take his son and to sacrifice him. Not sure if I could have done it. But Abraham obediently does what God says. And we know, if you read the original story, that Abraham secretly believed that God would raise his own son from the dead. Now that means that he was willing to go through with this act, which is extraordinary. And in faith believe that God would even raise his son. So Abraham takes his son, they go for a trek, they go for a walk and just as he is about to sacrifice him, an angel from God stops him and God would provide a ram in his stead. And God would say, I have seen that your faith is real because of your action. Now God could have simply asked Abraham, would you do it? No, they could have had a conversation and Abraham, uh, God could have come sorry, to Abraham and said, would you do this? And Abraham could have said, yeah, I would. And they could have gone on, but no. God calls him to actually step out and to enact this plan. And it's in the doing that God is able to know that Abraham's faith is real. It was his action that made his faith complete. Shown to be real, authentic, the real deal. Guys, it's Mother's Day today. It's interesting that uh, many of us will be expressing gratitude in many different ways. Um, it's been fun trying to explain to the kids that, that Baba or Nanny uh, are our parents. That, that I have a mum just as they have a mum. And as, as an adult, as you write in a letter, I'm not sure if you've done this yet, I hope you have, if you haven't, you can't steal this, come up with your own. Uh, but as adults express gratitude, they do it differently to children. For instance, as an adult, you may write something like, Mum, Mother, we often use Mother, don't we, on these formal occasions, Mother. <laughs> mother, thank you for your love and for your care. Mother, thank you for your selfless way of loving me. That's often how we can express this as an adult because we we understand some of the depth to this. But then when we ask a child to express their love, I asked Noah what he wanted to say thank you to mum for and and to say thank you for how he loved her. And um, he said, I want to say thank you, you I I love mum. I said, why? What is it? Why do you love her? And he he said, I love mummy for her hugs and for her cuddles and for her yummy cooking. (laughs) and he also said and for cleaning the toilet I mean how practical can you get I mean it's interesting isn't it 
that our mums show us love, not just by their words, but in the most simple and practical ways. Mums are proven to be the real deal in the way they show their love, not just the way they speak about it. It's in the small things. Mums, it's because of your kind words. It's because of the countless hours that you spend working and cooking and cleaning. It's the hours you spend caring. It's the hours you spend brushing hair and brushing teeth. It's it's the hours you spend cleaning up mud and dirty nappies. It's the hours that you, you, you spend caring. It's all of those little things that prove the love that you have for us and for your children. You see, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the action. So mums, continue on if you think those small things, those small deeds don't amount to much. They mean the world to your children. They may not know it today, depending on how old they are, but one day they will look back and be able to say, Mum, thank you for the way that you have shown your love for me. And then James mentions another example, Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute who is famous and mentioned a number of times and can I say we all have people in our family history that we'd maybe prefer to to put aside and not mention. And here's Rahab, one of the, the, the greats of faith who was a heathen and she's always mentioned as the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute. Because there's this reminder, don't forget who she was. Don't you ever forget how far away from the love of God this woman was by her action and by her deed, yet she was loved by God and through her action is saved. In her action of saving two spies, two messengers who would spy out the land, she would take them and hide them so that they would not be killed because she feared God. And she asked them to remember her when they would come, the Jewish people would, or the Israelites would come back and take over uh, their, uh, Jericho, the, the walls of Jericho would come down. She asked them, remember me, remember me because, because I fear your God. And she was saved because of her action. And we still remember her today. Even a woman like her, saved by her faith. And a faith which was in action. Then we come to the very end of this passage. Right at the end, James gives this final illustration. In verse 26, James says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Think on those words for a moment. Good deed and actions are the very breath of faith. The way we live our lives, that is the sign of the spiritual life and our walk with God. It's interesting because breath itself is not the source of life. Only God himself, God even breathed into the dust. We were formed and then he breathed his breath into us. It comes from God, but it shows, the breath in us shows that we have life. Again, it is the evidence that we have faith. It reminded me of a time when Noah was suffering from croup very, very badly. And I apologise if all the 
personal stories about my family this morning, but it is a family day. There was one point where Noah had crooked very, very badly and, and uh, it's a cough, a very dry cough. And, and one night he was just coughing and coughing and I can remember coming into his room and it was worse than it had ever been. And as he was sleeping, he would, he, he would, he would not only cough and splutter, there were times when he would stop breathing. There were times when I would get really close to him and I would put my ear on, on, on next to his mouth and he, he wasn't only wheezing and struggling, the breath would cease. Now as I say that, you can imagine that as a parent, this is a serious, uh, it's a big deal. No parent listens to that and go, oh, I'll just see what happens. No, because breath is the source of life. So we got him up. I woke him up, we, we got him uh, breathing again, we, we used some, uh, some medication and so forth, we, we got in our car and we, we rushed off to the hospital because this was a serious situation. This was no small deal, this was the matter between life and death and so I share this because this is the way that James portrays this idea. We often read these illustrations and go, oh that's a nice idea, that's quaint, oh, yep, yeah, that was really nice. This is such a strong picture that our faith is shown in our good deeds that is the very life, the breath of our faith, the way we live out our lives. This is a matter of spiritual life and death. Our actions, our good deeds are the very sign of our life and our spiritual lives. And so the challenge is here for all of us. Like those who challenge James, if we ever say to ourselves, good deeds, they're great. Put them aside, I'm going to just focus on my faith. The challenge is here to say, no, our faith needs to be shown in action. And today I pray that you might find some way to love those around you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray that you might be encouraged to say, you know, what can I do today to love those around me? How can I love people around me the way that Jesus did? I pray that your faith may compel you to love and serve the way that Jesus did. And in it is the very evidence, the very breath of life in your faith in Jesus. To go today, whatever this day looks like, knowing that you are loved and loving people just the same. Let me pray. I want to thank you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for your word and how it challenges us, how it encourages us to live our life for you. And I thank you for the letter of James, which is so real. Pulls no punches. Just declares your truth the way that it is. Lord, if we have been challenged here today, I ask and pray that you will enable us to leave this this time and to make changes, to enact the truths that we have learnt here in this place. Cause us to go and to love those around us the way that you have loved us. May we never just sit back and say, well, I'm saved, thank you, (laughs) I'm done. No, Father, inspire us to love those around us. Help us not to be people just of words. Help us to be people of action. Help us not to just be people of good intention, 
to really love people, Father, to go out of our way to express and to show your love to those around us. Today being Mother's Day, help us to show our love to our mothers. For some of us, that is easy. For some of us, that's actually really hard. And so for those today who may need to reach out in humility, Lord, I pray that you give them the strength to show love when they may not have received it. I pray that your Holy Spirit may fill them, Father, so they may show love the way you call us to, the love that we've experienced in you. And also think of those who have lost mums. I pray that your Holy Spirit may come around them now. They may know your love today so that they may also go out and express that love to those who are grieving and those who have also felt lost. So today we thank you. We thank you that you are with us, that you send us out and that you go with us. We give you praise and we pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people say, Amen. Um, We just wanted to share one last...